Hi Brickies, I'm Dominic, the last one standing with a kink for cannibalism. And I'm Kate, the resident phobia expert who also hears voices. And you're listening to Shit and Bricks. A podcast where we talk shit about stuff that scares us. Ripping a few laughs and survival tips along the way. As always, please subscribe, rate and review us. And don't forget to follow us on the socials at Shit and Bricks Podcast. Like the morning after a night on the curries and cans, here it comes. So drop your ducks, pop a squat and let's get into it. One times nothing, nothing. which is still nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Kate. All right. Hi, Dom. How are you? I'm great because it's Catherine Margaret Wilkinson Day. That's me. I was birthed this very day. <laughs> Technically, though, it's a bit of a stooge because I was born at 11.30 p.m., so I only get 30 minutes of a birthday. So based on that and the trauma which that um, has given me, I celebrate for weeks. Yeah, oh, sure. Weeks on end. Of course. It's a birthday festival. A festorama. A festorama. Festivus for the rest of us. That's right. Do you now, happen I'm, to know if you were an easy or a difficult birth? Um, I think I was a pretty easy birth. I was an easy baby. I know that much. Um, because my older sister came out backwards, so I think anything was a, an improvement on that. <laughs> <laughs> she came out awesome. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I think, um, yeah, I think that was an improvement. I'm just currently doing a twenty dollars scratchy. <gasps> I didn't win. Never mind. One moment, please, everyone. Thanks, folks. I know this is a thrilling podcast. Yeah, so this is a bit of a tradition. I'm sure it goes beyond just our family, but sure. um, it's a bit of a tradition for us to get scratchies for birthdays or Christmas or whatever, yeah. and the whole kind of semi-theory is, is that if, if we win, we got to share the winnings Absolutely. with everyone. Yeah. So if I win, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But so far, nothing. This is a jip. Oh, number 11. Do I have a number 11? <gasps> 12. It doesn't match. What a cocksucker. <laughs> oh, cocksucker Sean. from Denwood. I'm glad that that's... <laughs> I remembered. It's in my psyche. Oh, good. It is in my psyche. I don't think I can call kids that at school. No. Wait, what is this one? Quick game. Find two identical snimbles in the same quick game to win the prize shown for that game. Okay. Well, I didn't get quick 50 but who wants 50 bucks when you can get a quick 75 here we go <gasps> no but who wants 75 when you can get a quick 100 <laughs> come on case no but who wants 100 when you can get 200 imagine if you actually did win <laughs> this would be and it was the caught most on recording funniest thing i know <laughs> no dudsville we should have done the first one so out of $35 of scratchies, I've come away with $8. Yay. Well done, Kate. That's actually not a bad haul. That's actually not bad. <laughs> Considering I didn't pay for them, so I'm eight bucks up. And you always go, go spend your, your eight bucks exactly. on more scratchies, which is yep. gambling for you folks. Don't do it. Don't do it. Not worth it. Okay, Kate. All right. Hi. Um. Well, first up, are you having a good day? Is your birthday I've good so I've had a so great far? day. I've had a great day. I was at school all day and some people are like, you know, oh, take your day, take a day off for your birthday. And that would be fine. Uh, but my family is at work. Like my, my adopted family are at work and the children and um, 
yeah, my my beautiful friends who I'm doing the production with, Hannah and Jess um, and Sean, they just made my day super special and the kids sang to me and then we had some grade fives from next door come in and um, then our assistant principal, Russ, uh, he made them sing happy birthday to me and they didn't even know me, so that was lovely. Um, yeah, so I've just been very spoiled. Um, Elise went and got me a, a coffee and she was in food tech in the morning and made flipping nachos and then brought me a plate of nachos. So I cannot complain. Today has been exquisite. And now you get to spend, not the end of your day, because you've um, Kate and I were discussing her dinner and her... Yes, Thai food and red wine. Red wine. Uh, My tummy's going to be fine tomorrow. I'm not <laughs> going to be gaseous at all. <laughs> but you get to hear the finale of our mega Ned Kelly saga. Tonight. Triplet. Triplets, the third of three. I don't think I've ever done a tri- triple. I don't think you have either. So yeah, it was my turn, I guess. Smoked. Triple smoked salmon. All right. Well, shall we do a little house? House. Housekeeping. 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 Happy housekeeping. housekeeping. Uh, okay. I was trying, <laughs> trying my best to keep up there. I was like, can I sing oh, housekeeping gosh. like a birthday song? But it didn't work. It's housekeeping time now. It's housekeeping time now. It's housekeeping time now. So you better listen up. <laughs> 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 Don't worry, hip, hip, hooray! <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> oh goodness, it's, it'll be a long one, folks. But yeah, let's get. So it's, it's going to be a long one, but a good one, which yeah. is what we like to attract. Yeah, and I've got quite an awesome bonus episode for us, uh, which is kind of like an added mystery. So, ooh, we love a bit of mystery. Yeah, we do. But quickly, housekeeping, folks, go check out our socials, our YouTubes. It's all shitten.bricks.podcast. You can't go wrong. It's easy to find. Mm-hmm. We're one of a kind, that's for sure. Easy to find. We're one of a kind. And while you're at it, like I was just alluding to, we do bonus episodes every freaking week because we it's love true. spoiling you. And the way to do that or hear them is to go become one of our brickies on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Again, shitten.bricks.podcast. Straightforward. And you just sign up and it's only like, it's like five bucks, I think, is the starting out one. It's easy. You got five bucks a month, folks. It, it, it's, it's a dream. It's fine. Yeah. It's easy. Just do it. Do it. Uh, and last but not least, this is our year of ratings and reviews. Um, so just go, you know, after the episode, go give us five stars because we know we're worth it and you're That's worth it. it. And maybe she's born with it. Maybe. maybe. Nope. That was wrong. Yeah. Cause you're worth it. Maybelline's a sponsor of ours. They are. Yeah. They don't know it and they don't give us anything, but <laughs> do you know what's great? I've got some volumizing spray in my hair and it'll do whatever I want. It's working for you. Thank you. Real bird's nest vibe going on. Sorry. I'm very distracted. That's fine. Uh, I should also mention we're also part of the BooPod Network. We normally feature a BooPod Network podcast, but we've just gone through the full series of them. We have. So we're going to take a bit of a break from that while we do a bit of a reshuffle. And also we usually do a Halloween special. I know that's in October, folks, but that's how early we start planning these things. So We got to. We're doing a pretty epic one this year, which will be lots of fun. So stay tuned for that. Please. Okay. Kate, that is the end Hello. of housekeeping. Housekeeping. Housekeeping done. I have the juiciest bit of goss for you before we get into our oh, yes. final chapter of the Ned 
Kelly, Ned Bush, I was about to say. The Ned Bush. We Before we go back into the bush. The Ned Bush Kelly the amuse bush. Yeah. <laughs> we have an official, like, hater. Like, Ooh. someone who's not a fan of us. Okay, but takes the time out of their day to make sure that we know that. Absolutely. And right. Sounds like a fan to me. Oh, it actually it makes me really, really happy. And Kate and I don't sweat it, folks. Like you cannot. I mean, I don't everyone. know about it yet, so I might sweat it. <laughs> yeah. Kate doesn't even know what I'm talking about. Nah. So I'm not gonna go into detail because I just I don't want to give this person any airtime. Um I just wanna say a couple of quick little words. And then we're going to get into our final chapter. But suffice to say, Kate and I don't know everything, even though what we like to think so. That's amazing. <laughs> and a story like Ned Kelly, which is so freaking old, it's almost impossible for anyone out there to be 100% certain of what yeah. happened and what was said and how you go about proving it so. Oh. Chill the fuck out. Enjoy. Back, the fuck off. In, back off. Enjoy the story. And I'm going to yeah. give you a huge favor. You know who you are. Just don't watch us. Give back. I'm giving you back an hour of your time and go do something productive instead yeah. of trolling us with your shit. Okay. Okay. And that's. That's it. But it's definitely, it sounds to me like a fan. I don't know. It sounds like they love it. So, I think so they too. want to interact and they want some, <laughs> uh, some juice. Guys, we're just a, just a couple of ladies just putting on a show. Everybody just chill out. Yeah. We're just having some fun. They got us through COVID and now we like hanging out. So that's fine. Yeah. Go sit in the waiting room with Margie Thatcher. Lizzie? She's just popped the kettle on. Yeah. Lizzie's popped the kettle on. Have We've got Bill, Bill the ant is in there, <laughs> clock and laps, but free mushrooms, free mushrooms for anyone who's nearby and can catch him. He's this quick little bugger. Um, but, yeah, we got everyone. we got everyone in there. There's a whale with a Guinness World Book of Records. Oh, it's stapled to its head. It's a thrill. Yeah. Thrill a minute in that waiting room. Go hang out in there and have a ball. But Kate and I are busy because we... Kate, I've got the epic ending of the Neb Bush Kelly game <laughs> saga. <laughs> Let's go, Ned Bush. Let's get into it. <laughs> Funding a republic. Okay, now circ what well, do you want to remember where we were up to? Yes. <laughs> I guess I Please. should pick up <laughs> pick up there. Pick up where we left off. So allegedly. Uh-oh. Uh, the Kelly gang are now robbing banks, funding the, you know, the hopeful release of his mother after all yep. those shenanigans and we've just had the stringy back shootout and all that jazz. So now they're the Kelly gang, Kelly gang, going around doing illegal Like the Gucci things. gang. Yeah. So. Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang. So that's why next section is called Funding a Republic. Now, circumstances had forced Ned's hand once again. The gang had been alerted to a number of their supporters being harassed by the local authorities to the point where livelihoods were at stake. Now, Ned needed a large amount of cash to cover the lost earnings and expenses his friends and relatives had to endure when their menfolk were locked away without trial for months on end while their fields remained unsown and stock confiscated. 
This time their target was the Bank of New South Wales in Gerald Geary. Gerald Geary. Gerald Geary. I think Gerald Geary. Gerald Geary sounds better. Okay. Someone will tell us on the internet that it's wrong. That we won't be paying attention to. Um, It was a Saturday night and they captured the two local policemen and locked them up. They then dressed themselves in police uniforms and stabled their horses. Next day, Ned supervised the rounding up of more than 60 townspeople in the dining room of the Royal Mail Hotel. One of six. Which one? (laughs) Which happened to be next door to the bank. That's kind of nice. If you're going to hold people up, at least put them in a bar and they can get a bit fish-nickered and play some pool. Yeah, have a good time. Then he lectured to the captive audience from a document dictated by Ned to Joe Byrne, which he intended should be read by the entire world. It was a remarkable document, an autobiography, statement of fact, and self-justification, which ran to well over 7,500 words, and that became known as the Gerald Deary Letter. So I've referred to that already in a couple of episodes, but I could have read a lot from it, but it is a heavily utilised resource in this story. And if we take it as fact, allegedly, (laughs) that it was written or, you know, dictated to Joe Byrne by Ned Kelly, it's like an account of everything that happened. So obviously it is biased, folks. That's just the nature of history. It is. All history is biased. Yeah. Okay, on Monday morning, Ned went in search of the local newspaper editor to have it printed, but the editor had gone into hiding. Oh, not surprising. Ned had planned to distribute his manifesto after having it printed by the editor's Samuel Gill. However, Gill, after hearing about the new police in town by a Mrs. Devine. Oh, Devine. Devine. Mrs. Devine. Yeah, she was spreading a goss and she's like, there's a couple of robbers, I mean, policemen that have just come <laughs> I to do town. declare. I do declare. They, they look like a foot assault. <laughs> so anyway, Mr. Gill, hightailing out of there. Didn't believe yeah. it. Doesn't want a bar of it. Now, carefully checking to make sure all the telephone wires out of town had been cut, Ned then proceeded to rob the bank. I love that this, the robbing of the bank is like, oh, shit, we should get around to doing that. Yeah, we should do. We need some cash. What are we doing? Busy Rob writing the bank. my oh. manifesto. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I'm just going to just go away on a retreat. I need to finish this manifesto. Um, but, Ned, we need some cash. Yes, yes. I'm up to Chapter 7. Leave me be. Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Hold your horses. Yeah. Go have a chat. <laughs> Cup of tea with Mr. Vine. Now, the Bank of New South Wales lost over £2,000 in notes and coin that day and Ned gave his manifesto manifesto, manifesto, to one of the tellers who swore he would give it to Donald Cameron, the MP, but instead he passed it on to the Crown Law Office in Melbourne. Mm. Tricky dicky. Now, the statement was then carefully copied, then put away and was not produced at Kelly's trial, nor were its contents made known to the press. So this letter, you know, is a bit of a mystery. Well, it didn't come out straight away. It was not until the 1930s that it was even made available to the public. By most accounts, after Gerald Deary, the Kelly gang went into hiding in the Bogong High Plains. However, reports circulated that members of the gang were seen as far away as Melbourne and Goulburn. 
the Victorian government increased the Kelly reward to £4,000, matched by a further £4,000 from New South Wales, the total worth more than $2 million today. Whoa-ish. Yeah. But the Kelly gang had disappeared and would not be seen for 17 months until spurred on by increased police provocation, Ned and the boys were incited to one final act. <sighs> I swear, Kate, you sh- your your group should have actually done this as like their production this year. Imagine a Kelly Gang show. There's probably, there would be one, surely. Surely. Yeah. Should we write one? Okay. <laughs> we'll have at least one <laughs> fan sitting in the uh, audience yes! going, hey, that's not rolled. No, that's factually incorrect. <laughs> I think he called He called my – no, I'm not even going to go there. No, I was going to say, I'm like, yeah, we're not going to give him any airtime. Under the spotlight, now increasingly Ooh. frustrated by support for the gang, the Victorian police force under direction from Chief Commissioner Frederick Charles Standish locked up Kelly friends and relatives for months without trial. When this move backfired, the police drew up a blacklist of Kelly associates or sympathisers who would not be allowed to take up land in the northeast? This ill-advised action tipped the Kelly outbreak into full-blown rebellion. Ned and the gang advanced plans for a republic of northeastern Victoria to be launched by a preemptive strike at their police enemies, but one of those enemies was laying his own devious plan to destroy the gang. Mm. So, can you believe, like, the intention was to actually, you know, incite? A rebellion. Okay. <laughs> Some cojones. <laughs> what are we going to do? Rebellion. Okay, let's ride. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, this reminds me, a big shout out to someone that does deserve some airtime, Sam, one of our lovely, lovely listeners. So, so sweet. I've been chatting with Sam all this week. They've been sharing photos of their family and she shared that one of her sons is like spitting image of Ned Kelly. What? Yeah. That's crazy. And I can attest to it. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, it's so lovely chatting with you this week, Sam. You're a hey, doll. You're an absolute divine, you are. You're divine. You're a divine doll. Now, Aaron Sherritt. Remember Aaron Sherritt? He was the slightly dodgy one that was possibly turning everyone in and you know. Oh, like the snitch. The snitch. Mm-hmm. Now, he was a lifelong friend of Joe Byrne and had been a key Kelly agent while pretending to help the police. Yeah. A detective set out to incriminate Sherrod in the eyes of the gang and a detective by the name of Ward put in motion a bloodthirsty trap using Sherrod as the bait. So by spreading rumours, falsifying reports and even stealing a saddle, Ward managed to put Sherrod under the spotlight. By making Sherrod his number one informer, even if his leads were vague at best, both Joe and Ned were alerted to a spy in their midst. Mm. Now, if they broke from cover to kill Sherrod, the police would at last have a chance to capture or kill the outlaws. One night, Aaron Sherrod opened his door to find Joe Burns standing there. Without a word, he shot Sherrod dead. Now, four armed police had been entrusted with the protection of Sherrod and his family who, by then, were on the police payroll. I mean, Kate didn't do a very good job of that. I know, but doesn't this sound like a um, Sopranos episode? Yeah, it does. Right? Yeah. 
Or it's even just like the, the Godfather part two oh. where um, Pentangeli was being looked after and then, yeah, they got his brother over and he was like, oh, I didn't tell you. I'm family. What are you talking about family? Yeah. I didn't do anything wrong. We're just mates. We all know what happened there. Mm. If anyone ever invites you out onto a boat at night to go fishing. Nah, I'm going to pass. Don't do it. I mean, I don't really want to go on a boat to go fishing anyway, um, particularly at night. I love fishing. Okay. I really enjoy the the act of going, sitting and fishing for a few hours. Like, oh. I'll come and sit. Yeah, have do a drink. It, must I fish? I'll just have a drink. Yeah, have That's a drink, fine. have a chit chat and just fish. Yeah. Okay. 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 Anyway, back to Sherrit, mm. who's dead. Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler, folks. Spoiler. <laughs> if you weren't listening 40 seconds ago. <laughs> Shitty share it's gone. Shitty share it. Now, Joe Byrne and Dan Kelly challenged them to come out and fight, but the troopers declined and instead hid under Sherrett's bed. After threatening to burn the house down, the two outlaws rode 65 kilometres across country to join Ned and Steve Hart in Glen Rowan. The gang had taken over the town in preparation for the derailment of the police special. Now, the four outlaws waited with their armour. Check out our socials, folks, if you have no idea what that is. They're rad armour. They were in their armour in Glen Rowan at the Glen Rowan Inn, ready to advance on the wrecked train and do battle with any survivors. Their plan depended on news of Sherrett's murder reaching police in Benalla, which is not too far away. However, the police party assigned to protecting Aaron did not venture out of Sherrod's hut until the next afternoon. Mm-hmm. They were obviously afraid. So the police train did not set out from Melbourne until just after 10 p.m. on Sunday, 30 hours after Aaron Sherrod's death. God, that's a hell of a long time to stand in the armour, like that, waiting. That, yeah. <laughs> just like, are they coming soon? I'm just, I'm getting a bit uncomfortable and I could really use the bathroom. (laughs) It's been 26 hours. Yeah. (laughs) Now on Saturday, June 27th, not that far ago. Well, anniversary wise. (laughs) It was in 1880. So folks, that is a while ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. The Kelly gang captured the railway station at Glen Rowan. Ned Kelly knew now that the time had come to stand and fight. A crowd of people from the tiny railway town was herded into Mrs. Anne Jones's hotel near the station. Ned suspected that the talkative Mrs. Jones was a police spy. She's so talkative. I love the characters in this. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> Characteristically, he chose her hotel rather than the other one at Glen Rowan, which is called McDonald's Railway Tavern. Mm-hmm. in which to make his last stand, with the local policeman, Constable Bracken, having been made prisoner and the telegraph wires cut. The Kelly gang then proceeded to drink with the locals. Oh, okay. And they're like, um, now, now, Ned, you said your name was Ned, wasn't it, mate? All right, now tell me about this bloody helmet you got on. It's making it a bit tricky for you to have a couple of schooners with us. Uh, but talk to me about that, mate. Why don't you? Did you want a round of pearl? You might struggle a bit in that iron armour, but let's give it a go. Why don't we play for thruppence? We'll play for thruppence. I just, I love that in Australia they're waiting for a train to kickstart their rebellion. Let's just go yeah. to Mrs. Jones's Let's go hotel. to the pub. The pub yeah. and have a drink with 
local people, there's a sheriff or, you know, policeman tied up in a corner. Oh, tie him up. Yeah, <laughs> he's fine. Happens every week, Dows. Yeah, worry. don't worry about it. So Australian. Yeah. On the Sunday afternoon, they held a lighthearted sports meeting in the hotel yard. Putting aside his guns, Ned competed in a hop, step and jump event while carrying under his overcoat a full set of armour. <laughs> that is also really Australian. Australian. A hop, step and jump. So a triple jump comp. Yeah. Full armoured out. <laughs> couple quink, of brewskis under the belt, few frothies, and they're going to play some hop, skip and jump. Yeah. Okay. Good on you, mate. Well, what else are you going to do? You're going to wait all this time. <laughs> not like there was a uh, like a metro announcement going the train will be delayed yeah. by six hours <laughs> now arriving at Hangington Hangington <laughs> now I got another fly in here <laughs> fuck now <laughs> hang on a minute look what I gotta show you it's coming for her folks There's, she lives in filth really Look at this shit. Kate. And this, hang on, I've got to try and get that fucking idiot. <laughs> I'm showing the video, my fly trap thing, and it's covered, positively almost covered with these stupid little flies, and yet they're still hanging around. What is wrong with my plant? You need to get, there's a special spray. Okay. That it doesn't harm the plant and it coats the leaves and it coats the soil and it makes it not good for them. Good. All right. Well, you I'm going to do that. You put a little oil in it as well, and that means that eggs and things just slide off and die. Oh, eggs just slide right off. Okay, I'm going to put this back. One moment. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that, folks. Bit of a derailment. Pardon the pun. Oh, Kate's going to love that. She wasn't here to hear it, but that was spot on. I just told I her can't really wait. Good joke. I was just about to say I can't wait to listen to this because, folks, I put headphones in, so I can't hear Dominic when I take them out to show you my fly trap, which is really excellent for an audio medium. And I cannot wait to listen to this to hear what you've said. I thought it would just be like, "Oh, there she goes, no. bloody! Well, she's trottling off with her fat ass, and bloody off she got." <laughs> yeah, because that's what I'd say. <laughs> okay, let's. Get back on track, shall we? Let's get down to business. <laughs> People will get that joke. Now, there was more drinking, but as evening approached, the Kellys decided to cut off Glen Rowan more drastically. What do you... What? Uh, okay, more? so there's no phone lines. They're playing hop, step and jump, and then they go, do you know what? Something's not quite right here. Yeah. We're going to have to step it up. Ned Kelly ordered a railway fettler by the name of Reardon to tear up a section of the railway track approximately one and a half kilometres north of the station. The plan was to cripple the police special force, which the gang expected to be dispatched from Melbourne, and take the troopers and officials hostage. They would then demand an exchange for a number of prisoners, including Ned's mother, Ellen and in the process declare the region the Republic of Northeast Victoria. By then, there were more than 30 people crowded into Mrs Jones' hotel, and in the meantime, a police special dispatched from Melbourne and full of troopers, reporters, guns and ammunition was hurtling towards Glen Rowan on its way to Wangaratta after being alerted to the Sherritt shooting. The mm. stage was set. 
for the Ba-na-na. final conflict. Ba-na-na-na. Oh, I like that. Thanks. That's an original. That we're just adding our own little stings in. Mm. It almost went Dracula because the first sting was a bit Dracula, but I avoided it. That's okay. Dracula's Thank a you. classic. It is. All right, the shooting begins. The Kellys had not slept for two nights. Not a good start. Well, they were too busy hop-stepping, jumping. Yeah, put the beer down. (laughs) But only the resourceful Constable Bracken and the schoolteacher Thomas Kernow were able to outwit them and escape. Of course, they were fucking drunk. Yeah, that's it. I can't imagine it would have been too hard. Clanging around. Yeah, clanging. (laughs) Banging and clanging. They could see shit out of the slit in their helmet yeah, anyway. Yeah, that's it. Like, it's like this. It's like happened? a letterbox. What They're happened? basically walking around inside a postage box. <laughs> <laughs> now, a train crowded with police left Melbourne for Kelly Country at 10.15pm that Sunday, as I said. In the early hours of next morning, the whistle of the approaching train could be heard above the noise in Mrs. Jones's hotel. The Kelly gang waited for the sound of derailment, but it never came. After earlier convincing Ned Kelly to release him, Thomas Kernow, the teacher, the crippled Glen Rowan school teacher, who was crippled, by the way, which is not PC, but he had hobbled 500 metres south from the railway station along the track towards Melbourne, waving a light shaded in a red cloth shawl that he had borrowed from his wife. The train stopped before it reached the rail break and armed police and native troopers leapt out. Mrs. Reardon, imprisoned in the hotel with her children, could hear clanking as Ned Kelly donned his armour in a back room. Had a little fun on the back, you know. <laughs> clanking around. Hammered out, now the armour <laughs> was hammered out from plowshares. The armour consisted of a cylindrical helmet, a breastplate with apron and a back plate laced with leather thongs. <laughs> Oh, Ooh. stop it. Daddy. Daddy, put your armor on me. <laughs> right. That's our soundbite for the episode. Yeah, okay. There's a, that's the name of the, today's episode. Daddy, put your armor on me. Now, if you're interested, the armor weighed 90 pounds. I didn't convert that for us, Kate, so maybe you it. can do that for us. It's nearly double. Now, Superintendent Francis Hare, who had been in charge of the Kelly Hunt after Euroa, until exhaustion caused him to pull out, had taken over the pursuit yet again just before Glen Rowan. At 3am, under bright moonlight, Hare ordered his men to move along the trees and surround the hotel. As they took up firing positions, the Kelly gang came out and started shooting. In the very first volley, Hare was wounded in the forearm by a bullet. He promptly retired to the safety of the post office, leaving some 50 police without a commanding officer. In the exchange of fire, Joe Byrne was shot in the leg. Then he, Dan and Steve retreated into the hotel. Ned Kelly, who was shot in the foot, hand and arm, escaped into the trees to warn the armed sympathisers that their plan to derail the train had failed. Yeah. During the confusion, signal rockets had been fired to alert Ned's militia and McDonald's railway... Tavern stood across from the Glen Rowan Railway Station. It was in front of this hotel where Jack Lloyd mistakenly fired two rockets to rally the sympathisers. The dream of a republic of northeast Victoria died with Kernow and the waving of a red scarf. Mm. 
Shouldn't have let the teacher out. <laughs> Bloody teachers. Dibbidobbers. Mm-hmm. How much is 90 pounds, Kate? 40 kilos. <sighs> 40, nearly 41. Yeah, so that's pretty heavy. That's two bit, bits. That's a bit of, I weigh 40 kilos. <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> that would be a problem if I weighed 40 kilos. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tall-ish person. Yes, you are. Yeah. Wow. That's 10 seconds of your life. You'll never get back, folks. You're welcome. <laughs> I got to spend it with you. I'm happy. <laughs> it's Cake Day, National Cake Day. National Cake Day. National. It has felt that way. Now, the women and children pinned inside the inn were screaming, but the police kept up a murderous rate of gunfire. I mean, come on, folks. Just yeah. It's a barrage. Friendly non-stop. fire. Non-stop. Now, Dan Kelly ordered the townspeople to lie flat and not to raise their heads. As night faded, the police kept up their barrage while sporadic gunfire emanated from the outlaws' guns. Inside the hotel, Joe Byrne grabbed a bottle of whiskey, straightened up to drink it, and halfway through a toast dropped dead with a bullet to his groin. Oh, mamma mia. Yeah, not a place where you want to get shot. No, I don't want to get shot anywhere. Yeah. but particularly my groin. Do you know what? Is this weird, no. but I would, wouldn't mind seeing what it was like to get shot just one day. Yeah, but but just like a <laughs> just groin. like a just a flesh wound, yeah. just like across my tricep or something, you yeah. know? Just oh, like in the movies, uh, you know, cuz that's real. And uh <laughs> you can just put a cute little bandage on. But I, you know, read books all the time and they're like, yeah, we shot him in the stomach because it's the most painful way because it takes a really long time for you to bleed out and you just feel the pain the whole time. Um, Yeah, I don't know if I want to get shot. I mean, look, in the grand scale, I understand there are people that are killed regularly by being shot, so I'm trying not to be insensitive here. We're not talking about that, no. Oh, my God, something Uh Oh. No, it was a ruler. Oh, God, I thought you'd lost your drink. (laughs) No. I've got a fly infestation and you've got a possessed ruler. Yeah, it just fell over. Um, Anyway, let's move on. No shooting here. Um, So he was shot dead. That's sad. Um, (laughs) 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 Why do I do that? Uh, I don't know. No shooting here. So he was shot dead. Um, ah, That's That's sad. (laughs) Well... Anyway. <laughs> anyway, now John Sadlier writes of Joe's final scene in the Glen Rural pub in his, what he, as he writes, he says, we were told that Byrne had been firing and was in great spirits, boasting of what the gang was going to do. The work was hot and he went to the counter for a drink, finding that the weight of the armour prevented him throwing back his head to swallow the liquor. He lifted the apron-shaped plate with one hand while the other he lifted the glass to his mouth. In this attitude, a chance bullet struck him in the groin and spinning around once he fell dead. I mean, uh. you, I don't think you die immediately from a groin shot. So, mm. again, There's some license big hit. arteries around there, though. There the are. one that runs down you, the, the ephemeral, yeah. I think it is. Um, accounts say that a moment before the bullet struck Joe Byrne dead, he offered the toast. Here's to the bold Kelly gang. Another report states that he said many more years in the bush for the Kelly gang. I mean, folks. He's just choosing the Kellys. What's true, who knows? Now, dawn was breaking. The townspeople, by then almost hysterical, 
started to brave the police barrage to come out. Mrs. Reardon, clutching a shawl round her baby, stepped out from the hotel veranda. Flatty sounds like it's a bit of a debacle, this whole... Yeah, there's a bit... Yeah. It needed a little bit more planning. Mm. Now, Mrs. Reardon heard a policeman, afterwards identified as Sergeant Steele, call out, throw up your hands or I'll shoot you like a bloody dog. Why would you shoot a dog? Okay. Yeah, don't do that. She and, re- but she's carrying her baby. baby. <laughs> it's a human shield. Is that what you're thinking? Uh, you know what? No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just yeet the baby into the air. <laughs> Don't shoot me. Now, <sighs> uh, she ran forward, still fired, and the bullet passed through the shawl, missing the baby by inches. Okay. Two other children were not so lucky. One was wounded and another shot dead, with another youth wounded only a few minutes later. Like, it's a fucking shit show. Yeah. This isn't good on no, any No, they're not front. doing a good job. No, on anybody's part. This is bad. Okay, the bunyip. <clears throat> Sometime before dawn, Kelly returned to the hotel only to see Joe Byrne lying dead. He then appeared outside... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, this episode is loose. <laughs> I was trying so hard to play it cool then. You you did really well up until the point when you didn't. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now he yeah. He Burns, then appeared, seen Burns dead. Yeah. Seen yep. dead. He then appeared outside the hotel and headed into the bush, hoping the surviving gang members would follow. He oh. then collapsed. Remember, he had been shot a few times. Yeah, a couple of times, yeah. Ned has lost so much blood, he has missed two nights' sleep and is still carrying the 40 kilos, 90 pounds of armour. Maybe he shouldn't have played hop, skip and jump. No, that's what did it. Yeah. There you go, folks. There's your lesson for today's episode. Don't hop, skip, or jump if you are planning a rebellion. I reckon it was simple. You, you know that moment when you're you've had just enough to drink and you play mm-hmm. the best pool of your Ever. life. Yes, but if you have one more sip, it just goes to shit. Yeah, that's what that's happened. what's happened. Yeah, he hops, hop, skipped, and jumped when he was just on the borderline, and then he got shot a few times. So I think it really went downhill <laughs> from there. <laughs> he wasn't the only one. No. Now, here amongst the trees, Ned is comforted by his cousin, Tom Lloyd, the son of Ned's uncle, Jack Lloyd. Tom Jr. was possibly closer to Ned than any member of the gang. Tom was a staunch supporter of Ned and was often referred to as the fifth member of the Kelly gang. He is recognized today as an important piece of the Kelly puzzle, which you can pick up for $29.95 from prison jail. Big W. Glenn oh, Rowan. Where, I don't know. Glenn, yeah. I'm just making it up. <laughs> <laughs> I was too smart for my own good. It was a smart joke and it didn't land. Oh, I love smart jokes though. Now, Tom was a friend, an advisor, a strategist and a tactician to the gang. And during the Kelly uprising, he was a formidable leader of the sympathizers, which led to his arrest. It has been said that in other circumstances, he could have been Ned Kelly. Tom and Wilde were mainstays of the Kelly gang, but where Isaiah Wilde Wright was arrogant, Lloyd was far more guarded. 
Mm-hmm. And when Tom goes to visit Ned in prison prior to his hanging, Kelly tells him where to find a planted saddle. saddle. It highlights the bond these two Bushmen shared. In later life, Tom became a respected farmer and lived into his 70s. Wow. Okay. Which is quite cute. And in my quite- own little queer mind, they were like Brokeback Mountain and they were in love. Okay. They were cousins. No, yes. They were cousins. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm, again, <laughs> not going to yuck someone's yum. Thanks for reminding and, me of that. Hey, no problem. That's okay. I was just um, reliving that. But I think that's a really sweet bond regardless of how Still. intimate it was. Yeah. And, yeah, so and for him to live into his 70s, Tom Lloyd, that's nice. Good on you, buddy. Good on you. Now, at this moment, he could have escaped. Most men would have, not Ned Kelly. Instead, he goes back to rescue his brother and Steve Hart. As the sun rose, out of the ground mist came an apparition limping in dented armour, one arm extended and his gun in his hand. Senior Constable Kelly was reported to have yelled, Here's the bunyip, boys! And bullets rang out against Ned's armour as he walked slowly towards the police front line. A railway guard named Jesse Dowsett stood his ground, firing at Ned Kelly's legs. Then Senior Constable Kelly, seemingly regaining his wits, also fired at Kelly's legs, as did the trigger-happy Sergeant Steele. Ned at last fell, and within minutes, police had surrounded the grotesque figure of the outlaw. They had to cut the straps to free Ned from his armour. His face was a mask of blood. And while Steele declared he alone wounded, unmasked and disarmed Ned Kelly, other men also claimed they helped by wrestling down Ned and hauling off his helmet and armour. Which just goes to the point, Kate, as folklore and as tales get told over and over and over again in the favour of, you know, Mm -hmm. someone like a Ned Kelly, that goes both the opposite way for the coppers and the policemen they're just as susceptible for telling fibs and telling dodgy recounts of what actually happened so of course and just to uh, go back when they said here's the bunyip boys i just looked that up super quickly so the bunyip is a creature from indigenous mythology Mm. of southeastern australia said to lurk in swamps billabongs creeks riverbeds and waterholes uh some of the pictures of a bunyip uh i don't want to meet one <laughs> if that's what they look like because that's not very cool hmm. um a bit creepy looking but yeah that was i because i know of, of bunyips but i didn't know what the history yeah, of it was of so it. there we go we're all learning don't you love it now constable hugh bracken was quoted as saying i'll shoot any bloody man that dares touch him And after a remarkable half-hour gunfight and suffering the effects of 28 bullet wounds, Ned was carried into the railway station close to death. With sunrise, another train had arrived at Glenrowan. One of its passengers was Father Matthew Gibney, a Roman Catholic priest, and Ned Kelly's sisters Kate and Maggie begged Gibney to see their brother and give him his last rites. Now, Father Gibney found the outlaw conscious and administered the sacraments to a critically wounded Ned Kelly. He then went to the hotel and at 3pm, thinking all the townspeople were out, a police constable had crept close and fired the Glen Rowan Inn with straw soaked in kerosene, which quickly raised the hotel to the ground. Yeah. Someone cried out that Martin Cherry, a townsman, was trapped inside with the outlaws. 
So with great courage, Father Gibney went into the blazing building with hands raised high to show he was unarmed, but no shots rang out. Father Matthew Gibney fought his way through to a back room where he found the lifeless bodies of Dan Kelly and Steve Hart. And giving evidence later at the 1881 Royal Commission, the priest gave it as his opinion that the outlaws had committed suicide, probably by taking poison. Oh. The bodies lay side by side, heads propped on folded blankets. Martin Cherry was rescued but later died from a police bullet wo- wound to the groin. It's a lot of groin shots here, There's folks. so many groin shots. Yeah, I guess they were going to try to avoid the armour. They were just looking for any of the, True. the weak areas. The police managed to drag the body of Byrne from the burning inn moments before the entire building was engulfed in flames while those of Dan Kelly and Steve Hart were charred beyond recognition. Later that day, families claimed both the bodies of Dan and Steve who, after a volatile wake at Eleven Mile Creek, were buried in Greta Cemetery. All right, folks. Quite an emotional little... Moment. Moment, that was. Yeah. What happened afterwards? Just as harsh it was. Now, Mm. in only four days, Joe Byrne had lost not only his life and that of two gang members, but had taken the life of his best mate, Aaron Sherritt, Sherritt, and had also lost the recognition of his mother, who refused to claim the body from the Benalla lockup. The same woman who frequently would welcome her son to her woolshed home during the long nights of the police hunt right under their very noses. And until recently, Joe was buried in the Benalla Cemetery in an unmarked grave. However, today a gravestone marks his final resting place. Now, after a Petty Sessions hearing at Beechworth in August, Ned Kelly, who did not die, no, was taken yet. to Melbourne, yet, <laughs> was taken to Melbourne and passing through the streets thronged with gaping people, he was deemed fit to stand trial for murder at Melbourne Supreme Court on October 28, 1880. The judge, Sir Redmond Barry, who had once made a grim promise that he would see Ned Kelly hang, wanted to dispose of the trial in a single day in order to have it finished before the Melbourne Cup. <laughs> We've got to put a bet on the ponies, Dal. Let's just wrap this up today. Fuck me. I hate everything about this. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. Now, the inexperienced barrister defending Ned was no match for an expert prosecutor, a determined judge and a chief crown witness, a constable who escaped at Stringy Bar Creek and who had committed perjury. Barry also misdirected the jury on a vital point of law concerning self-defence. Inevitably, a guilty verdict was announced. And look, folks, I'm not really here to neither defend or deny (laughs) Ned Kelly's Actions, they were clearly illegal. Yeah, for sure. That's not what we're here for. But still, a fair trial, maybe not, this was. Okay. Now, Barry sentenced Ned to hang, concluding with, and may the Lord have mercy on your soul, which that must be one of the most famous, like, death sentence quotes. Easily, Yeah. yeah. Ned famously retorted, I will see you there wherever I go. And 12 days after Ned was executed, Judge Barry dropped dead in his chambers on November 23rd, 1880. Stop it. I can't. Wow. The Kelly curse. Holy moly. Gotcha. 
Sorry, that that, Barry. Not that he deserved to die because, yeah, Ned Kelly has broken the law and he's been charged accordingly. But that's pretty astounding. Creepy. Yeah. Now, Ned Kelly's execution was scheduled for Thursday, November 11th, 1880, only 13 days after his trial. A massive movement was launched to save his life. There were huge public hearings, torch-lit marches, a deputation to the governor, and a petition for Ned's reprieve from execution. Three days before the planned hanging, the petition was presented to the governor with more than 32,000 signatures, Kate. Wow. And an hour later, the executive council announced that the execution would still go ahead. At 9am on the morning of November 11th, as a crowd of 5,000 people gathered outside the Melbourne jail with a G, Ned was transferred to the condemned cell, which you have stood in, Kate. Wait, at Melbourne jail? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't been to that one. I went to Pentridge. Oh, it's a different one? Yeah. Uh-huh. He was moved back to Pentridge, and uh, then yes. yeah, his 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 I get it. Um, yep. Remains, which remain. we we're gonna we're gonna get into okay. if I've got time. Oh my yep. god, I've got so much to get. Yes, no, I do have time. Yeah, we got it. We got this. Oh my god, it's almost done. <laughs> <laughs> At nine a.m., blah blah blah. Yeah, he was can can. He was transferred to the condemned cell. Now, just before 10 a.m., he was led out onto the scaffold. I've got a beautiful artist rendition of this in our socials, folks, so go check it out. Um, And as the hangman, Elijah Upjohn, a transported English convict who was serving a sentence for chicken stealing. Love that they got a chicken stealer to do the hanging. (laughs) I also wonder how many jokes he would have got with his surname. Yeah. Upjohn. What's Upjohn? Chicken for dinner up, John? Chicken? Bagar? Uh. <laughs> now, he adjusted the hood to cover his face and Kelly's last words were, ah, well, I suppose it has to come to this. Such is life. There it is. At four minutes past ten, the executioner pulled the lever and Ned Kelly plunged into immortality. His headless body was buried in an unmarked grave on the grounds of the old Melbourne jail. And Mm -hmm. in the 1920s, it was then removed to the Pentridge Prison Cemetery and eventually rested in peace at Great Cemetery with his mother and extended family. Mm -hmm. To wrap us up, folks, for months after his death, Ned Kelly's rebellion simmered in northeast Victoria, fueled by the distribution of over 8,000 pounds reward money. This is often referred to as blood money by the gang's many sympathisers. And the 1881 Royal Commission on the Police Force of Victoria that exposed a number of police spies in the Kelly country. The commission also found that the incident, however, which seems to have more immediately precipitated the outbreak, was the attempt of Constable Fitzpatrick to arrest Dan Kelly at his mother's hut way back when on the 15th of April, 1878. Remember that night? He got mm-hmm. drunk and went on his own and got shot in the wrist. And Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. Now, stationed along with three fellow officers, Senior Constable Robert Graham was entrusted to bring order to a highly volatile situation. For a while, the police occupied the first floor of O'Brien's Hotel and Kelly sympathisers swore vengeance in the bar below. Now, rumour had it, new suits of armour were being made. And Graham in charge of the Kelly's hometown, 
Greta traced the root cause of the trouble. It was ultimately land. And given an equal right to take up land and equal justice, the Kelly people quickly subdued the few hotheads bent on violence. So Constable Robert Graham, along with his new wife, Mary Kirk, managed to gain the trust of of Mrs. Kelly and her family and to become a respected member of the community. Ellen Kelly, who died in 1923 at the age of 91, outlived not only a number of her own children and grandchildren, but most of the antagonistic constabulary as well. Supposedly, her last words to her son, Ned, were, mind you die like a Kelly, son. That's pretty cool. And that, folks, is the end of the tale of Ned Kelly, the bush outlaw. Yay, Dom. Well done. Look at you go. (laughs) That was epic, eh? That was so epic. That was three epic stories of the Kelly gang, the bush boys. And I still feel like I rushed through it, but so much happened. And it anyway. did. No, I was great. I really enjoyed it. I learned so many new things. Yeah, I feel it's, I've, I've heard a few different versions or whatever, but it's I like the way that this particular one was written and I lifted it from a few ABC articles and a few other historical websites, but I really liked this one. Yeah. So, Unreal. Anyway. Well done. So. Next week, Kate, it's your turn mm. finally. It's my turn. It's my turn. I'll be back. I'll be back on the mic um, spitting out some rad tunes uh, <laughs> for all you crazy cats and family folks and friends. Um, I don't know what I'm doing yet. I'll be perfectly honest. That's okay. Um, and do you know what? Maybe this is a good call out to some of our regulars like, you know, the Amys and the Sams and the and there's so many. But yeah, James, James, Chelsea, Chel- Jessica. Tell us what you want to hear because we're on a bit of a countdown. We're on like we this is 10 episodes to our 100th episode. This is That's kind right. of the mark of the countdown. That's it. So, so what do you want to hear? Do I think we should almost do a bit of a um, best of oh. compilation at some point as well. Go right back to the early episodes where we first started and take some little clips and bits from there so that our New listeners can hear some of that stuff if you've not gone back and listened. So, yes, reach out. Tell me what you want to hear about. Uh, And if something pops up between now and next week, I will take that on board. If you've got any questions from episodes as well, can also delve into that a little bit um, more deeply. Don, before we go, I have a question for you. Sure, shoot. My role question for this week. Um, which I like to, I'm going to start incorporating it more, but now, um, ignoring any, uh, gender stereotypical, whatever version of these three options you choose. Yep. What would you rather be a pirate, a samurai or a cowboy slash girl? Oh my goodness, this is hard because I've been one of these at every point in my life. Oh, okay. Well, like, like as a previous kid, lives? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. I was obsessed with pirates um, yeah. and treasure and all the pirate movies and all that sort of stuff. I mean, when I lived in Texas, I was a cowboy. Legit. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. 
And what was the third one? Samurai. Uh, samurai. I lived in Japan for a little while and I know so much about samurai life. Oh, I don't know. Okay. You can only pick one. No to cowboy. Cowboy's out. Okay. Um, I thought oh, being a pirate would be a hell of a lot more fun than being a samurai. This is really hard, but I don't think pi- pirates had really bad teeth. Okay. And we know your thing about teeth. Yeah, quality okay. of life was not so great for a pirate. Yep. So I'm going to say a samurai. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for answering. <laughs> I love I these. appreciate you. <laughs> They're pretty good. I'm starting my list. I've got a new list for this term, so I'll keep them coming. But thank you again, Dom, and thank you to our listeners. We love you guys, and we will be back again next week with our same shenanigans. But don't forget, right now, Dom and I are going to go and record our, our Patreon post show um, mini ep. So jump on five bucks. Come and have a listen. It's a real good one. It's a proper mystery, folks. All right. <gasps> See Look you soon. To it. See you soon. Bye. Love you. That's a wrap. Big shout out to everyone for tuning in to Shit and Bricks. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. Plus, you can find extra little nuggets on our socials. Next week, we'll be back talking more shit, so do not forget to tune in. And remember to wipe, flush, and wash your hands. Goodbye. Goodbye.